The friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Contenders Radio. This is your host, Pastor Kevin Inman. And today on Contenders Radio, we will be listening to a recent sermon from Grace Point at Eagle Heights Church in Orange, Texas, entitled, How Long, O Lord? This is from Psalm chapter 13. How Long, O Lord? From Psalm 13. God bless you. Hope you enjoy. Invite you to turn to Psalm 13. I'm going to take a a little detour out of John as we've talked about about the peace that Jesus leaves with us, as we've talked about the joy that comes from the Lord. I was reminded of this psalm these last couple weeks and, and wanted to spend a day with you looking at this psalm. I'm grateful to be here and to be standing before you and to be alive and to be saved. The Lord's salvation is good. How many of you could could acknowledge that um, there are days and maybe even weeks and, and maybe even uh, weeks of weeks and months and years that you have felt less than the ideal Christian. Anybody else out there? Yeah, it probably happens to all of us at any given day. In fact, most of us, most days, if we were honest. But I want us to see something this morning, again, about God's goodness. And, and this psalm, Psalm 13, is, is a psalm of David and... It says, uh, a prayer, at least in my Bible, a prayer for help in trouble. There's a title there. Now, the actual uh, title that's under Psalm 13 is this, for the choir director, a Psalm of David. And this, uh, again, like most of the other Psalms, they were set to music. I say most, maybe all. All the Psalms were meant to be sung. And um, this would be the psaltery, the, the hymnal, basically, in David's time and thereafter. But, but here is, is, are the words, rather, to, to a psalm, a prayer of help in time of trouble. And sadly, we don't have the music to this, this psalm. We don't have the music to any of these songs any longer. Uh, so we put our own tunes to the songs that we sing today, and, and that's fine. Music's different in different cultures and different parts of the world, and that's all good and fine. But here we find six short verses, and we're going we're gonna to look at this entire psalm this morning, this whole psalm. So we're, uh, we're going we're gonna to dive in here and seek to accomplish that, and, and rightly so, because this psalm goes from questioning and from doubt and from fear and from anxiety to arguing, and then finally to trust. And so that's where we're going. And there's an outline in your bulletin. I had three different outlines, and I, I really gave you two there, and, and I'll try to stick with, with those two that are in there as best as, as, uh, as I can, but we're going to look here as we make our way through we're going to look at these three things, and I'll go ahead and tell you what they are. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and tell you <clears throat> they are, number one, asking God why when we face the problems of life. That's the first thing. And oftentimes God seems distant during our, our life. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to move on to verses 3 and 4 and talk about how we argue with God about His ways. We're going to look at these, this petition of David here. When we petition, when we call to the Lord... And then lastly, we'll look at affirming God at His Word. And we'll look at the praise that comes forth. It's a proper perspective. That's another way of looking at this. 
the proper response, the proper perspective. Because if you're like me, oftentimes the problem seems bigger than, than I am. Anybody relate to that? Oftentimes, though, if we're honest, sometimes we even act as if the problems that we face are bigger than God. The problems are in our face and before us, and God seems to be far away. Any of you ever experienced that feeling? Speak with people often, weekly, who, who undergo some, some semblance of what we're talking about here today. They feel as if they're going through some hard times and God's nowhere to be found. It reminds me again, as we said, as we've been studying in John chapter 15 and 16 about Joseph in the Old Testament. We haven't got to Joseph in our Genesis study yet, but Joseph was, was basically left for dead and then sold into slavery by his brothers and abandoned. He, they went home and lied to their father about what happened to Joseph, and, and he's all but forgotten by, by his brothers, intentionally mistreated. He winds up in, in Egypt. He winds up in prison, and then all of these things, God is seemingly silent and distant and far away. And yet, all of the trouble that came into Joseph's life, God was using all of those things to orchestrate not just good for him, but good for his brothers, good for his father, good for Israel, and bringing them into Egypt out of a famine. God was orchestrating all those things to provide for his people. You see, we look at things dimly right now. We see things dimly. And oftentimes clouded by just our, our uh, humanity, um, our temporalness, but oftentimes clouded by sin in our lives, oftentimes clouded by fear and by doubt. But I want you to understand that we have a Father that is good. Our Father is good and He is not forgetful. So let's look at these, these, this psalm and let's look at verses 1 and 2. Follow along. It says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? Having sorrow in my heart all the day, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? Now here, we don't know the exact circumstances of what's going on in David's life, but it would seem that he's running from his enemies. And most likely, this is at a time when he's running from Saul, who was then king. And so, so he's running from the king, and he's hiding out. And as we read through the Psalms, and as we look at the historical records of David in, in Kings and in Samuel 1 and 2, we see that, that indeed David did run and hide. He hid in caves and under the cleft of rocks and, and whatnot, longing for fellowship with others and, and, and questioning God oftentimes. Something we need to understand is that God's big enough to handle our questions. Amen? We don't serve a God who's called aback and who's surprised. We don't serve a God that's, that's popular today who, 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 who doesn't know the future. That's a common misconception about God. God knows everything about the future. He orchestrates the future. He is the God of not just the past and of the present, but He's the God of the future. He exists outside of time. He exists independently of time. And so he's, he's everywhere all at once. He's omnipresent, the Scriptures tell us. God's everywhere. And so there's nowhere we can go to get away from God. And yet, oftentimes, we, like David, we question God. And here are four how longs. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all day? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? I believe, as we've said oftentimes, and I think, I think the days are, are, are bearing out this reality that, that as Christians, it's going to seem, it's going to appear as if the enemy is winning. 
for a while. And it's going to look even more so, I believe, as the days draw nearer to the return of the Lord God. The world goes the way of the devil, of ecumenicism. They're laying aside doctrine for the sake of some imagined peace that will never exist without the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're seeking, we're seeking to be our own gods, and, and, and yet we're not. We are frail and fragile. We've mentioned before even that we try to thwart God and, and the, the appointed days that He set upon our life by, by creating new pills and new procedures in order to, 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 to try to live on forever in this flesh. And yet this flesh is corrupted. It longs to be redeemed. It longs for healing and for perfection that comes in God's time and only from God. There's no pill there's no medicine. There's no procedure that will change that. And so we find ourselves wondering where God is when hard times come. The psalmist here, it would seem, feels forgotten in verse 1. How long will you forget me forever? That's pretty obvious. And oftentimes we feel that way as we're undergoing hardships and trial. We, we think wrongly that God is distant. But God does not separate Himself from His people. God is ever-present. Ever present. Ever present. You hide your face from me, he says. You know what God does forget? God doesn't forget us, but he absolutely does forget something about us. Now hold on before you get mad at me. Because what the Bible tells us that the Lord forgets about us is our sin. And he removes our sins from us as far as the what? The east is from the west. So far has he removed our sins from us. How far is the east from the west? Do you remember? How many miles is that? Infinite. Never. It's forever and ever. They never meet. The two shall never meet. And that's how far God removes our sin from us. So we feel forgotten. We need to remember that He's forgotten only our sins in Christ. We feel forsaken. Will you hide your face from me forever? We feel as if God's turned His back on us. But the Lord God is ever-present. Now, reminded of number 6, I encourage you to write this down. Number 6, verses 22 through 26 in the Old Testament. Numbers, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, in number 6, verse 22 through 26, He said, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. And folks, that's what God does for His people. Amen? He's gracious unto us. He makes His face shine upon His people. He blesses. He keeps. He puts His countenance on us and gives us peace. He has not forsaken us. Though we feel forgotten and forsaken, though we feel frustrated. And look at what David does in verse 2. How long shall I take counsel in my own soul, having sorrow in my heart all day long? Can I just give you a little secret here? I've learned this painfully the hard way. Our heart is wicked beyond all things. You with me? Why in the world would I seek counsel in my own heart, in my own soul? And especially when I'm downcast and downtrodden, when I'm achy and tired, my soul is weary, why in the world would I expect my soul to be a comfort to me? That's ludicrous. And yet, as King David, we often do the same thing, turning inward and looking to try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I'm not even sure what a bootstrap is. But that's what we try to do, don't we? And what does David 
finally encouraged us to do. He, he's there, just the same place we go oftentimes, looking within ourselves and, and, and trying to muster up some joy and, a, and, and even just a smile. And then He talks about His enemies. And when things are happening poorly around us and to us, we often turn inward. And folks, that is the absolute wrong place for us to turn. No wonder he's discouraged. His soul had led him to sorrow daily. Daily, he says, all the day. We have to look outside of ourselves. The secret's not in us, as Oprah and others would tell us and have us believe today. The secret is in the sovereign God who's bigger than all of our problems. So when we feel forgotten and forsaken and, and frustrated, when God seems distant and we're, we're finding ourselves asking why, how long, how long, how long, how long, we need to turn to God. Can I give you just a couple verses here to, to put in your arsenal of comfort? Because here's something that I can promise you, that the more I think about the problems of my life, the more depressed I get. Anybody else out there? I see those hands being sat on all over the place because it's hard to admit those things, isn't it? But the more we focus on our problems, the more depressed we get. But when I pray about my problem, there is a glorious sense of release and peace that comes to me with the problem, still there. In spite of the problem, alongside the problem, woven throughout even the problem. The problem doesn't vanish, but there is a peace in the midst of the problem and the pain. There is a sense of release, a sense of comfort and hope. It's, it reminds me of what Paul said in Philippians 1.6. Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will stop halfway through. Oh, is that not it? I mean, oh, let me, let me try again. For I'm, 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 I, I almost believe this, that he who began a good work... It doesn't start that way either, does it? I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. When God starts something, He does not leave it unfinished. Now, how many of you are, are like me and uh, you have problems that, you know, there's no, you know, men, there's no sense for our wives to remind us of these problems. We're going to get around to it in a year or two, right? I mean, we, it's on the plan, right? But, but how many of you leave things unfinished oftentimes? You don't have to raise your hand. That's also something painful for us to admit. But, but folks, though we leave everything around us undone, Jesus is faithful. God does not leave the work He began unfinished. It's just like His creation. He began the creative process and wove the elements, the earth, the mountains. He raises the, the, the oceans. He scoops out. He, he makes it all complete. The Bible tells us in Genesis that, that what God created was good. He called it good when He was finished. He didn't leave it partway done. He didn't leave it and have to go back and sit and think and contemplate and, and start reworking. He created it perfect. It was our sin that brought destruction and turmoil and, 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 an, and an upheaval to even the creation. That's why the book of Romans tells us that, that even the creation itself is groaning, longing to be redeemed. And one day when the Lord returns and creates, that He will, he will make a new heaven and a new earth and, and the creation will be set free. And so will you and I, ultimately. So God doesn't have any unfinished work of creation. As Adrian Rogers, the late Adrian Rogers, once said, he said, uh, God does not have any half-built towers. 
When he sets out to build, he builds, and he builds a strong tower. Reminds me of what Paul says in Romans 8, 28 and 29. Familiar passage to many of us. Romans 8, verse 28 and 29. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. So what does God do for us as we cry out, asking God why? We see the problem. God seems distant. We have to remember that God is there. Which brings us to the second thing. David begins to argue with God. He argues his ways. And then he calls out. Here's a, 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 peti- a petition to God. As he calls unto the Lord, he says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemies shall say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. When I am shaken is a nice way, David say, when they, when they kill me, when, I, when they do me in, they'll rejoice over me. This is a great prayer. We need the light of God to shine upon our eyes, as David prays, to enlighten my eyes. David had the wisdom to know that though he felt powerful feelings, horrible feelings, depression, call it whatever we want to call it today, he didn't turn to to a medical doctor, he turned to the Lord. He didn't turn to the pharmaceutical industry, he turned to the Lord. I'm not saying there's not a need for the medical world. And thank God for doctors and the intelligence that they have been given, for the aptitude they've been given to help bring healing to these bodies. But know that it's not eternal healing. It's not lasting. Only God brings that sort of healing. And so David, rightly, in wisdom, goes to the Lord. He expresses his problems to God. How long? How long? Four times. God's big enough for our problems. And so then he, 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 he calls out to God in petition, calling to the Lord, calling to the Lord to enlighten his eyes. If I would have been on, on my game the last couple of weeks, we could have, could have done a song this morning, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. It's been a long time since we've done that one. Open the Eyes of My Heart. I used to think that was a silly worded song until I began to read in the Psalms. And, and in fact, even right here, to enlighten my eyes. He's saying, open the eyes of my heart. It's what he's saying. Open me up to you, to your word, to your truth. And we see that throughout the Psalms of David and, and others. He cries out. There's power in our prayer. And, and we need that light of God to shine upon us, to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge. And, and I guess really knowledge then wisdom because... Wisdom is just the right application of the knowledge that we've been given. Amen? I mean, that's wisdom. To rightly apply the, the, the matters of intellect, the things that we're learning. To use those things. That's what David finally cries out to God. The Apostle Paul also knew the importance of, of having our eyes enlightened by the Lord. This is what he prayed. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, verses 17, 18, and 19. The Word of God says this, and this is Paul writing, again, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. As he's praying, he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart... Hey, there it is again. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might. The same sort of prayer. Paul prays for these Christians in the city of Ephesus that the eyes of their heart would be opened, would be enlightened to what? To God, to the riches of His glory. That they would be opened up to see the God who's bigger than than any problems we might face. That's comforting. Which brings us to verse 5 and verse 6 of Psalm 13. He says, But I have trusted in your loving kindness, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. So what do we do? We we, we find ourselves oftentimes questioning God. How long? How long? How long? How long? He seems distant. He seems gone. He seems uncaring. Not Not to be concerned with us at all and what we're going through. And yet God is there. And so we pray to God. We turn to God in prayer. Open my eyes, O God. And then finally we affirm God's Word. Verses 5 and 6. We get a, a proper perspective and we begin to praise God. We begin trusting, as it says in verse 5, in His loving kindness, rejoicing in His salvation, singing to the Lord. Why? Because He has dealt bountifully with us. So if we need a prescription for the blues, a prescription for depression, a prescription for pain, this is it. Trusting in God's love, His loving kindness, His lordly love is is another way of looking at that. His unending love, His love that, as we prayed earlier, surpasses all understanding. His love that's long and wide and high and deep. We, we, We trust in that love. Secondly, we rejoice in our salvation and we sing unto the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Now, how many of you would say that the word bountiful or the word bountifully is not a word that's common to your vocabulary? It's not. But you know what? I want to make it so. Because it's hard to really capture what God has done for Thanks us. Thanks for listening to today's what he's broadcast still doing of to Tenders us Radio and through us with Pastor Kevin rather than bountiful. Abundantly, that's a good one too. On to our website, Those are good words. And so we need to get a that's proper perspective. Know that David's circumstances had not changed one bit from the start of this Kevin song. There's no evidence that all of a sudden his enemies had all been smitten. That's a good word, right? Sometimes I pray that prayer. Oh Lord, smiteth my enemies. And And I often shake my fist when I'm praying it. Oftentimes what God does is is, is not, not a single thing to the enemies. Have you ever noticed as God changes our perspective, you notice what He changes. It's it's us, right? It's us. All of a sudden, that enemy isn't so hard to love anymore. Not because the enemy's changed, but because my perspective's changed. I have a proper perspective. Instead of praying that God would do something about that person, all of a sudden I find out that, that the Lord has done something about this person. And He needs to do more. You don't have to amen that. I already know it. I already know it. So David's circumstances had not changed a bit. Not one iota had changed from start to finish here. When he felt confused, when he felt depressed, when he felt forsaken, forgotten, all of those things. He's still hiding in caves. Saul is still on the throne. Saul's still seeking to kill David. So what changed? Simply his focus. 
He stopped focusing on the problem and he began focusing on the God who's bigger than all of our problems. And I don't know about you, but that's a helpful reminder for me. That is a helpful reminder because oftentimes, as I said earlier, oftentimes God seems distant and our problems are ever right here, aren't they? We need to do what David did. We need a change of focus. Stop focusing on me. Stop focusing on the problems. Shift my thoughts to God, to His, His loyal, eternal love, to His salvation. Start thinking on heavenly things. As we said before in, in, in Philippians, we, we, we often have, 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 have a, a, a brain problem, a, a thought problem. We think on the wrong things. But as we said several weeks ago in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, if we could but think on whatever is true and honorable and whatever is right and pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is of good repute, if anything is excellent or anything worthy of praise, if we could dwell on those things, those are eight good things for us to dwell upon, we would find that our perspective would absolutely be proper. It would change for the good. It didn't happen accidentally for King David. It will not happen accidentally for us. It won't. As much as we may want it to be so, it doesn't happen by accident. Verse 5 is very emphatic in the Hebrew language. And I mean, it's forceful. There should be exclamation points here as we write this out in English. But I have trusted. Gritty teeth, fists shaking. There's an intent, a powerful, just a demanding demeanor here. There's a change. The language changes. He's deliberate now. He's making a, a very intensive, a very deliberate, willful, passionate choice to rely on God's love. He doesn't say, take all the problems away right here. He says, but in light of the problems, I trust God. I will trust in your love. That's a deliberate choice. He chooses to interpret his circumstances. And get this. This is a, this is a, a, a powerful perspective, I believe, right here. He chooses to interpret his circumstances by God's love rather than interpret God's love by his circumstances. I'm going to say that again. Because I think we're all guilty of probably doing the latter here. Here's what we should do. We should interpret our circumstances by God's love, knowing God loves me, period. And so whatever comes my way is filtered, as we prayed earlier, through the sovereign, powerful hand of God. Nothing gets by God. God doesn't go, oh man, and then run back to try to stop something from getting to us. God knows everything, and God orchestrates or allows everything, depending on the perspective. It all comes from God. So I need to interpret my circumstances by His love, not interpret His love by my circumstances. When bad things happen, we often think like David. I've got problems, God's forgotten me. I've got problems, God doesn't love me. And really just the opposite is true. I have problems perhaps because, because God loves me. And He who began a good work in me is faithful, right? He will not leave it unfinished. When God builds a tower, He builds a tower, not part of a tower. He who began a good work in us will carry it out to perfection, to completion, the day of the Lord Jesus. And so we interpret our circumstances according to His love. Verse 5, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. 
Do we do that? Oftentimes we think of our salvation as something that's done and over with. It's not. How many of you raise your hand if you're perfect? Go ahead. I'm going to wait. I'm putting mine in my pocket. I don't want you to think I'm raising my hand. I talk with my hands a lot, so I'm going to put it right here so that no one thinks that I'm raising my hand. No, God's not through with us yet, is He? He saved us. He's justified us in Christ, if you're a Christian. And so we rejoice in the fact that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died, the just for the unjust. God demonstrated His love for us in that. At just the right time, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that He gave, because love gives, God gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. There should be exclamation points there too, right? God's done that. He's dealt bountifully with us. We rejoice in His salvation. We rejoice. That's an unshakable, unspeakable joy. An unspeakable joy. That the God of all creation loves me. And then verse 6, finally, I trust in His love, I rejoice in His salvation. He says, I will sing to the Lord, I will sing to Yahweh, because He has dealt bountifully with me. We've said it over the last few weeks, there's something about the joy of the Lord, amen? That's why we we read about in, in Paul's epistles in Colossians and in Ephesians when he talks about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. He says the exact same thing over in Colossians. And, and I mean, they're, they're lined up. It, it has nothing to do with running up and down the aisle and speaking in tongues and, and, and anything like that. No nonsense kind of stuff like that. Being, being, being filled with the Spirit and, and having his heart dwelling on the Word of the Lord, the result of both of those things are singing unto the Lord joyously, having right relationships with others, Ephesians and Colossians. We've, we've covered that in the past several times. And so he sings to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. The reason we sing today still are the same reasons that, that the Psalms were written, because we are supposed to sing unto the Lord. We're commanded to sing unto the Lord. And we should. We have every bit of the reason to sing. I like music. Um, I like different types of music. I'm not real big on rap. I'm not real big on country. I liked George Strait. I liked Run DMC. I don't know if that's actually rap, but, but I liked Run DMC. I don't know if y'all remember, remember those guys, but... Uh, my Adidas. That's all you get, okay? So, but I like different genres of music. I do. Different styles of music. I like big band kind of sounds. I do. I like uh, Frank Sinatra, that kind of era of music. All, all different types of, of genres. And what's interesting through the years is as, as, as men and women and, and groups, you know, quartets or, or, uh, or boy bands or, or whatever it might be, as all of these men and women and boys have, 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 have sang and performed songs year after year after year after year, they're all singing about something. Most of them are singing about someone else, not the Lord. Most of the music that's sung today is, is about our feelings or about that girl or that boy or, or whatever it might be. 
Some of them echo our problems in this life, and, and yet so few of them turn the page to where verse 5 and verse 6 have, have gone. So few of them find the real answer and the real solution to the problem. The solution is not getting another dog. The solution is not getting in another spouse, wife, or husband. The solution is not having another bottle of whatever alcohol happens to be your, 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 your flavor. The solution to our problems is always and ever has been and ever will be in the Lord. And so we sing today in church because the Lord has, has done everything to give us reason to sing. I would say boys to men or whoever, that's, you know, that's probably not a good one. Who, uh, who's popular right now? Whoever it might be, the latest you know, star from The Voice or whatever, if they have no Jesus in their life, the biblical Jesus, I don't know why they sing. Because we still have problems and we still have pain. People will disappoint us. We will disappoint others. <laughs> but the Lord has dealt bountifully, abundantly with us. Amen? Amen? And so we sing to Him because He's good. The joy of the Lord. What's that little song we used to sing? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my... Where? Where? I... Yeah, there we see. We're all doing it together. And it's so simple, but it's so profound. It's so profound. This joy comes from the Lord and He has dealt with us. And, and aren't you glad that the Lord doesn't deal with us according to what we deserve? If He did, we would all bust hell wide open. I mean, we'd be, we'd be battling over who was going to get there last probably, but we would all get there. But the Lord has dealt bountifully with us. That's why David rejoices in the loving kindness or trust in, and rejoices in the salvation and sings to the Lord because He has bestowed upon us grace though we did not deserve it. Mercy though we deserve judgment. The Lord is good. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. Abounding in love. God is good. So we ask why when we face problems. We call out and petition to God in prayer. We may argue at first, but we finally, Lord willing, we come to this affirming of His Word, recognizing that He's steadfast and unmovable, and He's there. And we begin to find that our problems coexist, maybe even, with praise that may not have been there before. We trust God. We get this proper perspective and so I'm going to ask you, if you would, just bow your heads with me for a moment. I pray that Psalm 13 is a comfort unto you. And I know for many here that, that the holidays can oftentimes bring about a sense of, of loss, a sense of longing, maybe as we think about loved ones who have gone, or financial issues that may burden us. I'm going to just humbly humbly remind us that God is bigger than all of those pains and sorrows. So would you call out to God? Would you just reaffirm His goodness, His loving kindness and salvation? I pray God would restore you to a place of singing even from your heart, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. So maybe you've been struggling these past days or weeks or months. If you have been 
down and questioning and wondering. So I want to pray for you. So, Father, I just want to lift up these folks to you, Lord God. Father, you are good and we trust you and we believe in you. So I pray that you would bless these, that you would keep these, Lord God. That you would make your face to shine upon them. That you would be gracious to them. That you'd lift up your countenance on them, O God. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcasts, please log on to our website, contendersradio.com. That's contendersradio.com. You can also find us on the web at kevininman.org. That's kevininman.org. There you will find podcast episodes, blog posts, study helps, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening. And may God bless you in your pursuit of the truth.